1: The headline from VolQuest.com, Vols conclude investigation not imposing a bull ban. OutKick 360 begins the final hour across the OutKick network. This is an investigation that has been going on since early this year. Over a million dollars spent in attorney's fees and legal's fees uh, to get everything set for today and this report Uh, And with more, we welcome in Austin Price from VolQuest.com. They had the story. Brent Hubs will join us tomorrow. Austin today, uh, who joins us in front of the Christmas tree, as we hoped he would. Austin, we hope you're doing well. Merry Christmas to you. And uh, this is a Christmas gift to Vols fans who have been waiting on this report for months.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's been waiting on, you know, Tennessee to, you know, do something one way or the other um, for months, just because... The cloud that's kind of hung over this place has, has hurt recruiting. Uh, opposing schools have been able to use it against Tennessee. Of it's going to be a four-year bowl ban, a three-year bowl ban. I mean, some of the stuff that these kids have told me that they've heard from certain schools is, you know, has always been comical. And even you know, listen, I mean, you know, even if the NCAA ruled, I don't think Tennessee's getting more than a one-year bowl ban, just because um, I, I don't feel like at the time, you know, they're not going to, especially with the legislation out there to not punish those. That are no longer there, uh, or, or not punish the kids that are there, instead of the ones that are no longer there that were guilty. Um, you know, it just made no sense. And you know, I saw Pat Forty come out today, and he kind of you know had his you know column and take on the Oklahoma State thing, and you know felt like you know well, I mean, the school, the kids that were complaining, they were in middle school when all this went down. They should have done their investigation on on what was going on at Oklahoma State themselves and done their due diligence. I think Pat's wrong in that regard. I mean, so you're telling me that, you know, players can go and play at other schools uh, that, you know, um, we all know we're involved in all this, and they can go to the playoffs or go to a bowl game, but kids at Tennessee can't or kids at Oklahoma State can't. I mean, I just think that that's, uh, you know, that's that's a bit comical to me. And, again, I think that's part of the problem with, you know, everything that goes on is there's no rhyme or reason to anything that uh, any governing body of any sport does because every – you know situation gets ruled differently it's never uh the same across the board and i think that's what fans just wish there was it was a static okay this is a you know level two that means you get this this and this but no there's never that you know some people turn up the proverbial middle finger to the ncaa some try to do the right thing like oklahoma state did yesterday over three hundred dollars
3: three hundred dollars i mean are you kidding me right now i mean
2: that's unbelievable
3: Tis the season is all I think every time I see Austin Price yes. uh, with that Christmas yes, tree. Same, same for us. But we know, Austin, <laughs> that in, in the Oklahoma State uh, story is is one that shows the unpredictability of the NCAA and how illogical a lot of these decisions are with how they, they mete out judgment the judgment on these schools. But I still feel like, wouldn't Tennessee be absolutely shocked if the NCAA did not take the findings of their investigation? That they rode shotgun on with all of this, or is Tennessee fully prepared for the NCAA to possibly come back and say nope, two year bowl ban or one year bowl ban coming up in a year or two? Uh, you know, at this point, I, I you know I don't know how Tennessee would handle all that. I mean, at
2: this you know at this current stage, who knows what it'll look like in two years, three years, four years? You know, as long as it takes them to rule on anything, um, you know, is is the fact that Tennessee's just said, yeah, we're not going to do. We're, not, we're going to self-impose some stuff and they've already self-imposed some things, um, you know, to this point in the year. Um, but I mean, you know, again, like you start looking at scholarship limitations and let's say Tennessee's going to, you know, have 20 over three years. Well, and, and I, I don't even think that number is right, but I'm just saying, let's, let's just go with the number 20. It's round um, 20 over three years. Tennessee's 12 under right now. So 12 is already gone. So you got to get eight more in the next two years. I mean, that's not that hard to be at 81 for the next two years. So, I mean, you know, I mean, you get 56 official visitors a year. Let's say you only get 51 for the next couple of years. Does anybody, does the common fan notice that? No. The common fan doesn't know if they have 56 visitors, 156 visitors, five visitors. You know, I mean, like, you know, again, like most of this stuff, the common fan is never going to notice. You know, coaches going out on the road recruiting. You know, they're never going to notice. So they would notice a bowl ban, but they're not going to notice the other things that are involved that, you know, play just as important a role in all of this as anything.
3: Austin, how big is this for this current Tennessee team? Because it feels like a group that going to a bowl game is important to them, where it may not be as important for a lot of teams across college football. But this does seem like a team that's worked really hard, they've exceeded some expectations they'd like to play one more game together. Am I wrong in thinking that? Or is this a, no, a big boost No, I think you're exactly right. No, I think you're exactly right, Chad. I mean, I think they do want to play
2: a game together because they all get along on the field. There's a, a really nice bond amongst this team. They've kind of, you know, stuck in there and battled through these tough times through all the allegations and the cloud overhanging the program and everybody's saying, y'all aren't going to be any good. Defense is going to be terrible. You know, what will they do at the quarterback position? Um, you know, this and that over the last, you know, nine months or so, 10 months. And, you know, they've kind of hung in there. They battled, they competed. They found themselves at this current point four and four on the season with uh, four to go, three winnable games. Uh, Georgia being the one that's not, doesn't look it, but that's why you play the game. You know, I mean, you, you play every game because, you know, in any given Saturday or Sunday or even a Friday night for that matter, Anybody can beat anybody, especially in college football these days. There's more parity than ever before. Tennessee, you know, go we'll go to Kentucky Saturday. Uh, they won 33 of the last 36. Even in Tennessee's terrible decade that they've had, they've won 7 of 10 against the Wildcats. And so, you know, the kids on this team go in thinking, we're supposed to beat Kentucky. So if they win Saturday, likely is is they're beating South Alabama and Vanderbilt. They're going 7 and 5 with a team that, Nobody predicted to to do a whole lot of anything, and that's with a loss to Pittsburgh and a narrow loss to Ole Miss. So, you know, this is a uh, a team that, that deserves to go to a bowl and a bunch of kids that have kind of stuck in there and fought through the hard times, and they deserve to go to a bowl.
3: Austin, how was the bye week for Tennessee recruiting-wise with all the coach a- coaches able to go out on the road? And now that this is behind them with no bowl ban and they've announced this, is this going to help this current class for Tennessee?
2: Well, I do. I do think that it helps to go back to some kids that maybe had some questions. I think there are even kids that really like Tennessee and Tennessee's potentially their leader, but they are skeptical to get in the boat because of everything they hear out there. And so they're able to go back to these kids and say, "Okay, here's the deal. You know, um, these are some things we're doing that it won't affect you because Tennessee's going to sign a full signing class. Because again, the number of uh, scholarships that you would potentially be reduced by is off the 85, not off of the 25 signing class. So he can sign 25. They just may have to be at 82 instead of 85 or 81 or whatever the number is. So, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think in recruiting, you're going to double back to some guys and say, okay, you wondered, now we know, will you at least give us a look, come check us out, come hang out with us for a weekend and see what's going on, and we'll see the you know kind of the reception they get when they do that because that will come. They will call some kids and and ask them to come, give them a look, and uh, and and we'll, we'll be interested to see what kind of reception they get now that this has come out.
1: Has Jeremy Pruitt's attorney been reached for comment? Yeah. Not to my knowledge. H- has
3: have they uh, October 29th came and went with no announcement? Austin, uh, what's quiet. what's happening there with all this information that was going to be dumped?
2: Well I, you know, at this point I've heard nothing you know uh, you know pertaining to any kind of movement there. Um, to my knowledge, uh, nothing has been done. Um, but that's not to say something's not going on behind the scenes and you know that, that something's coming down the pike in the next 24 hours. I'm just saying like to this to this point and to my knowledge,
1: nothing has been done one way or the other. So it's
0: impressive to show your teeth, set the deadline, then don't do anything.
1: I know Hubs normally has this number, um, and we can get him on this number tomorrow. Do you know how much Tennessee spent attorney in attorney and legal fees officially? It's right. It's right at a million. Um, there, it's right around that
2: that that million dollar number. Um, is what Brent told me today. Okay.
1: Well, uh, we we said uh, three or four months ago we were asking the question, will they reach a million? And you both are like, oh yeah, yeah, they will. They absolutely will. Uh, well, everyone's it, getting paid. When, when
2: when reached out, when when hubs reached out, um, he was told that the the, the group um, is now only b- billing quarterly mm. and and not monthly, which means that they had slowed down dramatically uh, by going that route. And so, um, the total number I don't think is 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 defined, but I do think it's just right around a million dollars.
3: Austin, help people understand this, including our listeners and viewers that don't seem to grasp this. A lot of people are saying, you guys are going to end up paying Jeremy Pruitt, aren't y'all, because you said the violations don't reach even a bowl ban, but yet you fired him for cause. Tennessee's stance on this is they fired everyone that did the wrongdoing, and all of those great players who transferred out were all of the players named in the investigation, and there aren't other players on the roster that were named in the investigation. Am I right or wrong in saying that's Tennessee's stance right now? Yeah, I mean, I think
2: that is Tennessee's stance uh, in, in, in so many words. Um, you know, everybody that was caught up in this is gone. Um, you know, e- even if there was somebody that, you know, uh, potentially had, you know, a little bit of gray on them, um, a gray area, um, you know, that's still on the team. You mean Eric Gray?
0: Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no.
2: They have paid restitution back, much like the kid at Oklahoma State. Um, you know, the $300 got paid back at Oklahoma State. Um, and, and then, like I said, everybody else that was involved is, you know, going to be in the playoffs or, or qualified for a bowl game, um, you know, later this fall. So that, that, that's the thing is everybody that was involved has been terminated uh, and removed from their, their previous uh, spot or they have moved on playing-wise um, to another school.
0: So it's not the degree of the violations. It's the violations. He, he, he was central in these violations and suffered the consequences for them from the university. That's, it's not a matter of them being relatively minor in the big picture or, or whatever, in terms of him having suffered the consequence.
2: Yeah, I don't, I, I, minor major. I mean, it, it, it all depends on, you know, your definition of that, but either way, um, they had enough that they felt like to go, uh, with cause on Jeremy Pruitt and and several members of his several members of his staff. And then um, you know, same thing, you know, with when it comes to some of the players that are no longer here, you know, those kids have moved on and 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 are no longer part of Tennessee football. So Tennessee has to move on uh, and and can't worry about those kids.
1: Austin Price, VolQuest.com with the story. You can read more about how they're ending the investigation with no bowl ban at Austin Priceless on Twitter. Austin, thank you as always. Uh, We'll catch up with Hubs tomorrow. We appreciate the update. Love partnering with VaultQuest on all the big news in Knoxville. Great job of the story, Austin. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. All right, Austin Price there from VaultQuest.
3: One thing to keep in mind, no matter what you think about the NCAA and how rational things might be and that this may make sense, oftentimes it does not, and I point you to yesterday's Oklahoma State decision, that every player on that team was not around when everything was happening. New coaching staff, the FBI investigation assistant coach lost his job. It was over three hundred dollars. They appealed and the NCAA still came back and said, Nope, you guys can't play in the NCAA tournament this year. So I just want to keep that Tennessee has turned over what they think should happen.
0: So are you saying you still there's still in the background I cause am for still some worry?
3: Holding out the idea that Closure. the NCAA could come back and say, Nope, not enough. Even though if we even if we gave you yeah. indications it was you got to face a ball man. and
0: band. this could take a while
3: on that stuff. I don't think it should. Shouldn't. They're, but, they're, but they the the same were there thing the you're whole saying. time. There's no investigation. All they could come back and say is, "No, not enough." Even if we led you to believe it's enough.
0: All right. Well, let's Still get going, Indianapolis. Finish, finish your part of it so that it could be done.
1: Coming up, three keys on how the Titans can beat the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday Night Football. This is OutKick 360. And the Outkick Network includes Florence, Alabama, Fox Sports Shoals, shout out there, Huntsville, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, Fox Sports Knoxville. appreciate you guys. The very first affiliate and partner of Outkick 360, Fox Sports Knoxville. And the Upper Cumberland with Sports Radio 104.7. Love being on in Cookville, Crossville, and everywhere in between there. With Stone Calm. shout out to everyone listening to 104.7 in the Upper Cumberland, as well as wherever you're finding us now through the live stream from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Three keys on how the Titans can beat the Rams. Uh, Paul, Chad, chime in with your thoughts here. Uh, the first one I came in going through and evaluating uh, where the Titans are without Derrick Henry. Uh, they're up against it here, right? They're, they're underdogs on Sunday Night Football. Uh, Their are best players out. They, they have been able to find a way, despite some issues throughout this season, and I will use Buffalo as the example of the high-powered offense coming in against the defense that was depleted, and we were expecting uh, that, that the defense would fold. It did not. In fact, it got after Josh Allen, and they found a way to put pressure on the quarterback and force some turnovers and some mistakes. The Bills came into that game leading the NFL in points per game and points allowed per game. There was a big difference there, and we saw the opposite. We saw the Titans' offense keep pace. We also saw the Titans' defense do a good job of putting a pass rush on. They forced turnovers, short fields, big plays, and the Titans are plus six in turnover differential, and they've gotten off the, the big plays in, the, in their defense. It le- leads the points in almost every game. That needs to happen again, and it needs to happen fast. Uh, Win third down is key number two for me. Uh, Let's look at the Rams first on third down. This season, Matthew Stafford has completed 40 of his 59 third down pass attempts for 626 yards. His completion percentage and yards are both among the best in the league, and he has the second most yards per attempt on third down. So, They push it. He averages 10.2 yards on third down, and he's 40 of 59 on third down pass attempts. The Rams are lethal in this area, and they get first downs behind their big-arm quarterback, second most in the league. Uh, When you get them into third down, they move the chains 46% of the time. That's fifth best in the NFL. They they, they average 7.3 yards per play on, on third down. That's combining, of course, run and pass. 7 over 7 yards per play on third down. The Titans, by comparison, average 5.1. So the third down area here is where the Titans defense needs to find uh, some momentum. And we've noted the third down defense has been really good compared to what they've done last year here in Nashville. They rank 13th right now on third down defense. The Titans have to continue this theme against a a high-powered offense that is used to moving the chains at a consistent level no matter if it's third and short or third and long.
0: Well, Christian Fulton's not going to be back here, right? He, he would have been doing more and, and uh, if not, uh, activated by now. Yeah. And for the second day in a row, Chris Jackson and Greg Maben haven't practiced. This is not trending well in the secondary. They've been getting away with it in the secondary, I feel like. I don't know if it's sustainable, Hunt, for them to do what they've done in the secondary. Even with a good rush from the front four, eventually you're going to get bitten Mm -hmm. in the secondary, especially if you're down Fulton, Maben, and Jackson. And and look, Jackson's an okay player. Maben, you know, he's scrapping for you. But this means Breon Borders is going to be on the field probably, and Chris Jones is going to be on the field probably. And I guess Cooper Cup. Um and, and their cast of characters, it, it's gonna bite you eventually. Yesterday you were rattling off the big play numbers for for the Rams. Um, you know I think they'll rush well again, but I don't think you rush well every down. And they're gonna be times where Stafford is gonna be able to bite off a big chunk, um, and, and that's gonna that's gonna hurt you. Now AJ Brown and Julio Jones are gonna have to match. You know, and that's a lot of pressure to match, especially when we don't know if the play action is going to be as effective without Henry. And you know, the run game is going to be, you know, the run game. If the run game lives up to what Derek Henry has done, that's going to be a, you know, absolute miracle. And uh, uh, Chad will have to add to your Braves parade, a Titans parade. <laughs> well, I'm I'm throwing a parade right now for that third down defense
3: for the Titans this year. That's the most pleasant surprise on this team, oh, given fantastic. the historic nature yep. of how bad they were a year ago. That's a huge improvement. Now, to your point, Paul, is it sustainable? I don't think so to that level, but especially against this, this Rams game. offense. That's, that's the problem. It's the mix of the two. Is it sustainable with the injuries they've had in the secondary? I think it's more about what the Rams do offensively than some huge drop-off from the Titans. That's the concern in this game.
1: Offensively for the Titans, I, I want to, I, I, I think I would come out and run up-tempo. Because they did not start fast against Buffalo, referencing the game a couple of weeks ago, uh, they were slow and plotting. They won the game. They won the game here. I'm not knocking them, but my, one of my keys that week was you got to start fast. They started fast against Kansas City and never looked back. They built that lead. I think that's imperative this week. I want to. They lean, went tempo in Kansas. They went tempo Kansas to start. Too, right? yeah. yeah, and I want to lean towards that because I do think this team, when they come out in that that tempo offense, that helps get them in rhythm a bit. Instead of just turning around and handing off, again, like I realized, I like idea, but it goes
0: against the shortening the game idea. So it's kind of yeah. Well, well conflict.
1: so so, but when you look at what the I, I did some digging on the the second and third quarter for the Rams. So if you can start fast with them and get some points on the board and separate the score a bit, the Rams are going to put up points in the second and third quarter. Eighty
0: six in the second quarter. Yeah. That's
1: Paul Paul uh, detailed this in, at length early in the week and it was very good. So they're if. if The Titans just can't start slow. Either keep pace or separate the score in the first quarter and just give yourself a little breathing room. Um, For the season, the Titans have a negative first quarter point differential and they're averaging just 4.3 points per first quarter through the season. Meanwhile, the Rams, they've also struggled. They average about the same 4.6. And this is an offense that puts up a ton of points, but Not in the first quarter. It takes them a while to get going. I think they can benefit the Titans' defense as well as come out with tempo, get on the board, and just get into some rhythm, get a spark. The the Titans need that fast start in a lead this week. If they can control the game, you can then call plays with the lead, and I think that helps this group significantly with their overall plan. Over the final three quarters of the game, the Rams have scored 26 points per game, which is the second best offense in the league over the final three quarters to only Buffalo. They're 6-0 and when they lead at halftime. And the Rams have a great record for many reasons, but one of the biggest is how they just improve as the game progresses. The Titans need to grab the lead in order to withstand what's going to happen. The Rams are going to score. The question is, can the Titans separate the score early and have them play catch-up?
0: I don't doubt that, uh, and I've seen them now a little bit, um, that Peterson and Foreman are in terrific shape. But being in terrific shape coming in in week, what are we, nine, um, is a different deal than being in terrific game shape. And even if you're rotating those guys in some fashion or whatever you come up with, I wonder about tempo yeah. with, with that. So I like your idea, but there are a lot of things that might work against that in terms of that, the fitness and in terms of the idea that they might want to slow the game down, limit the snaps overall for the other side, keep the ball out of Stafford's hands, keep the potential uh, targets down for Cup, all of those things. So I actually like the idea of starting with Temple and then slowing it down later, slow it down in the in the second quarter when they're so good. Um, grab the lead and then
1: possess the football. Yeah, that's, that's, I, that's think that's, a, I think that's, that's, that's a the a order silent, I would go in. Strategy. Um, and also... This is a Titans offense that doesn't get a lot of uh, headlines for this, but they – so just looking at the numbers in their pass game, they have 94 passing plays of 10 yards or more. That's third best in the NFL. And here's the key. A lot of it happened over the last two weeks. They have 25 plays of 10 yards or more in the passing game over the last two games. And the other part of this that I think is crucial is – Ryan Tannehill only has 44 completions over the last two games. 25 of the 44 completions went for 10 yards or more. That's an emphasis that needs to continue, and that goes in line with starting fast.
0: That's a healthy A.J. Brown is a big piece of that, and I've written today and been talking about all week. I worry about how the coverage changes for A.J. Brown now, particularly if if Julio Jones doesn't look good out of the gate or has any snap count limitation because I'm not loading the box against the Titans in this game until they show me I need to. And so I've got an extra defender now with A.J. Brown, plus i got Jalen Ramsey. So I might be able to shut yeah. down A.J. Brown with one guy and then to go- devote a guy and a half to Julio Jones and then say, beat me with anybody else. Go ahead, Anthony Furkser. Well, go ahead, Michael Pruitt. Go ahead, Chester Rogers. Go ahead, Adrian Peterson.
1: Marcus Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, I, I agree with you.
3: I'm interested in the up-tempo idea as a way to strike first, right? Like you said, Hutton, score first and then possess the football in that order. But going up-tempo, is that the best route now for the Titans and what they've shown so far without Derrick Henry to – I don't know if sneak attack is the right word, Well, but to get something going early where you strike first.
1: I'm not I'm not suggesting that the Titans can't do both. They ran up-tempo against Kansas City, and they had like four- to six-minute drives. This is not a Josh Heupel offense yeah. that has to score in two minutes and put seven on the board. It, yeah, tempo means don't help, just don't
0: huddle. Yeah. Manage yeah. the personnel. Don't, exactly. Dictate the personnel no primarily.
1: Yeah, keep the personnel that you want on the field. Uh, and it's dictate what the defense is doing. Finding a matchup you good. like and going yes. at it. Yeah, but it might take it you a
0: couple plays to get the matchup you like, based on that they're not matching up for Henry.
1: Yeah, because they had a you know against Kansas City, their scoring drives none of them were less than eight plays. So it's not like that's they're, a very good point. You know, they, it's
0: not fast. Yeah. it's just yeah, different. It's just,
1: you're dictating the substitutions, right? And that's that's kind of the idea here. Is you come out and you get into a rhythm with the personnel that you want. Uh, which came against really good coaching and uh, matchups against the Chiefs. Any more of that this week against that Rams defense that's going to bring it. I don't know. I have not heard if Von Miller's playing or not, Paul.
0: Uh, As of today, I have not either. And their injury report comes out very late because well, he didn't of practice yesterday, difference. so we won't know today's injury report for them a couple, for of hours. A couple hours, still. Yeah. Um, but they talked optimistically after the trade about the, the odds, McVay did, about the odds of getting them in. Titans didn't have much progress today. Kendall Lamb improved. Tier Tart improved. And three guys were added to the injury report. Landry, Lawan, and Monty Rice were all limited today. Lawan knew with a knee. Landry, I don't know if it had been a hamstring for him when he'd been hurt before, but Landry... With a hamstring, Monty Rice with the knee. I'm not remembering if that's what. So Lawan could
1: have done something in practice yesterday, right? Is that what you're yeah,
0: saying? Yeah, either yeah, or just you know it swells swells up, you know, off of a off of a practice. Off of
1: something, yeah. But that's concerning. I mean, uh, it's, no practice. Is that what you said? No, limited. LaJuan? Those limited. three, those okay. three guys Lim- okay. added
0: as limited. Well, at least. And today was a full practice as compared to yesterday, which was a walk.
1: A walkthrough, yeah. But you wouldn't think he would tweak any in a walkthrough.
0: No, you wouldn't think you anybody would swelling. do anything in a walkthrough unless they, you know, stepped in a hole. And the field fields out there, trust me, are well maintained.
1: Chad, and uh, switching gears and looking at the Vols against the the Kentucky Wildcats this week on the road in Lexington. Um, g- going back and just comparing the Ole Miss game and the week leading up to the Ole Miss game, and think about what a win would mean for Heupel in that group and momentum. If they don't win against Kentucky, ultimately, what does it set up the season for?
3: Well, it sets up a scenario where they're going to be heavily favored against South Alabama and Vanderbilt to end the season. And winning those two games would get them to six wins. And as we found out today, we'll get them a bowl game because Tennessee is not self-imposing a bowl ban. And that would be a really nice season for Tennessee. But it would set up a scenario where their best win is pounding Missouri on the road. You know, beating South Carolina at home, and then some close calls yep. against... Really, you could add Bama to the mix in the fourth quarter, being there, but Ole Miss and Pitt would be the closest calls, and then whatever happens gets Kentucky. Um, you know that I think you look at that and say, well, that's not great. What's your great win this year? You don't really have one, Even but... Even Kentucky's not going to be a great win. I, I, I mean, Kentucky's top 25, and you know they had one loss up until last week. Now I watch Kentucky against Mississippi State. Keep in mind, Mississippi State ran the ball 35 times in that game. So for Kentucky's great, you know, run defense and physical up front, they may be without their two starting defensive tackles who were injured in that game. They may be without them again this game. They may be without Chris Rodriguez in, in the run game uh, also this week. So they are they are what Tennessee was a couple weeks ago against Ole Miss and Alabama. You know where they're Beater. they're banged up going into this game. I don't know that it's a great win, Paul, to your point. Um, it's not a huge upset. You know, Tennessee was a bigger underdog at Missouri than they're going to be at, at Kentucky, where the game is, it's a pick em right now yeah. between Tennessee and Kentucky. But I think ultimately, you'll look back on the season and what people will say most about Tennessee was, well, they looked better.
0: Yeah, It's more about a feeling. It was a more upswing. fun. It's what Hutton always says. Right. Sometimes
3: it's, it's how you lose and not if you lose. With Tennessee, I think it's how you look. Does the offense look good? Does it look crisp? Are you developing a quarterback? Those are all check marks Mm -hmm. for Tennessee. And something that Josh Heupel is selling right now in press conferences for recruiting is Hendon Hooker. And he said it in his press availability yesterday that if you want to see how a a quarterback is going to be coached and how you can develop, Hendon Hooker is the model. Because he was not doing this at Virginia Tech, and he's suddenly doing this now at Tennessee. That's the model that we're going to follow. That's what you can expect from quarterbacks at Tennessee. It's got to start paying off at some point because the biggest knock on Josh Heupel right now is the fact they rank 13th out of 14 SEC teams in recruiting a little bit ahead of Vanderbilt. That's not going to cut it. You can get a one-year pass because of NCAA investigation, and a lot of other things going on, this class needs to improve. They need to turn the tide on some in-state guys. That needs to happen for Josh Heupel. Just like he needs to go into Lexington and win this game, and I think it's very possible, and I think right now Tennessee is a better team, I think Vegas is showing you that. The fact this opened as a field goal game, that's a toss-up. The fact that the money has all come in on Tennessee and now it's a pick 'em on the road shows you that Tennessee's right there with a Kentucky team that for the the entire season's been the second-best team in the SEC East. That's a good step in the right direction. But winning this game, to me, propels Tennessee from good season territory to great season territory because 7-5 and is great for this Tennessee team based on expectation. And I'll say it again. I am most impressed with Tim Banks in that defense. Everyone wants to talk about the high-speed offense, and it's been fun to watch. I expected nothing on defense from Tennessee. I watched that spring game and saw oh. Harrison Bailey throwing deep balls to a former defensive coordinator Jack Jancic's son, a walk-on, and completing them with ease. And I thought, Tennessee better score 65 a game if they're going to compete in the SEC. And instead, they've gone out and they lead the country in tackles for loss. And it is all it's about press work. It is all about just knowing they're not doing anything fancy. They know where to be. They play yeah. hard. Sound that's it. And they I, run to the football and they're not right. confused. And
0: Tennessee fans deserve it after some really bum coordinating. Well, and highs. just
3: not. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt. Matthew Butler said it so well. He said Jeremy Pruitt's defense works. At not with Bama, <laughs> at Georgia, at Florida State. You have the thoroughbred. But he had enough humility to say it wasn't working with us. That's right. It wasn't working we with our players. We could not figure it out. We had, you know, three guys blitzing on one side of the field, leaving the whole side of the field open at times because we didn't know how to adjust and do it. The difference now is they know what to do. They're confident in Tim Banks and the, and the defensive call that's made. They're confident what they do at different times. I'll also say on offense, we've seen one huge. Mental gaffe where quarterback receiver weren't on the same page based on a read route, and that was against Alabama, where he was expecting Javante Payton to stop at the sticks, and instead he kept going. They threw an easy interception to Alabama. That's pretty remarkable when you think about so much of this offense is predicated on a fast break where you get to the line, you read the defense, receiver, quarterback on the same page, boom, you make the quick read and you go with it. So, look, I think there's a lot of good things for Tennessee, but I'm with you guys that this is a very winnable game. I I feel like I've said it throughout. They're going to have a great shot. Even when Kentucky was blowing out LSU and beat Florida, I circled this game saying Tennessee will have a great shot to go to Lexington and win. And I threw the stat out earlier with Trey Wallace. It's been since 76-77 that Kentucky's won back-to-back games in this series. 33 out of 36 years, Tennessee's won this game. This is for all the problems with Tennessee football. And Elante Taylor said it. This is a game Tennessee football players, they see the Kentucky uniform on the other side, they expect to win. Even though they got blown out a year ago, 34-7 to at Neyland, they expect to win this game.
1: Coming up, PK is one of 48 Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, and he's got to take 123 players and get down to 25 semifinalists. The I'm issue, looking
0: at it as zero players getting
1: up to twenty. Up to twenty-five. So he takes the one twenty-three, and then he selects twenty-five as his semifinalist, and then they pull all these together, and then you have your twenty-five semifinalists. The problem is Paul's at twenty, and he needs to get to twenty-five. So we'll we'll discuss some of these players. Will we pick for him coming we'll up?
0: No, you won't pick for me. But I'm going to read you names, uh, and you're going you to stop I me. Hall of Fame You're going to stop me. With Do we your-
1: have veto power?
0: No. You're going to stop me when you hear a name that you think... That again, hey, Pro Football
3: Hall of Fame selectors Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow <laughs>
1: will select the final five
3: uh, This is a great way to
0: get me off the panel. Yeah.
1: 30 to 1 odds. Moneyline odds. Uh, with FanDuel.com slash OK360. Packers Chiefs, Texans Dolphins, Patriots Panthers. 30 to 1 odds. You're not even betting the spread here. You bet the Moneyline for 30 to 1 odds. Maximum bet, your first bet at FanDuel... 30 to 1 odds get you $150 if you win. You pick straight up. Packers, Chiefs. Keep in mind, no Aaron Rodgers there. Texans, Dolphins. The Dolphins give up over 400 yards on average of total offense. Patriots and Panthers. The Patriots have won back-to-back games against Carolina that's struggling right now. Max bonus $150. You've got a deposit of $10 with your first bet FanDuel.com slash OK360 Use that code FanDuel.com slash OK360 The offer is valid in all legal states where FanDuel operates FanDuel.com slash OK360 Follow the show on Twitter at OutKick360. You can message us there and in the chat room. Just uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can stream that to your TV, to your laptop, your smart device. Just search us out, OutKick360 is how you can do that there. Paul, by tomorrow, you've got to take 123 players that are considered right now among the 48 selectors for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And you have to list twenty-five players. You're up to twenty or twenty-one currently, and yeah. you have a list of guys who you feel like are in the same category. No, I'm
0: just—I've—I—I I don't have. I, I mean, I've got some in you're mind, out of but names I'm just going to give you names. So you're at you, twenty you or twenty-one. I'm at twenty-one. You stop me when you hear a name <laughs> that you think I should be considering.
1: Well, <laughs> these are of the uh, give twenty-three. Give okay. us the no-brainers, if you don't mind. Who we're considering. Like, like, Give us some of your
3: twenty one. The
1: easy, the easy note. like there are a couple oh, of Oh you want the no brain First ballot, you know. I mean, Reggie well, Wayne, holdover, we need a personal reference.
0: Toy Holt to hold over, Reggie Wayne, yeah. Tony Baselli, yes. Jared Allen, uh Richard Seymour, um Sam Mills, Zach Thomas, Leroy Butler. Yeah. Those those are guys yeah. who are you know are definitely going to be in
1: the final And many have been finalists before Um, and this is for the semi-finalists
0: right Um, so this goes to 25 then we get the list of 25 then we'll vote that down to 15 okay and then the 15 will be discussed in the room okay so give us go with the next names so uh, just stop me when you hear a name randall name that we think is definitely no hear a name that i should be considering okay Randall Cunningham, Jake DeLome, Boomer and Jeff Garcia, Dave Craig, Donovan McNabb, Steve McNair, Sean Alexander. Donovan
3: McNabb jumps to mind for me.
0: All right, put a pause there. Sean Alexander, Mike Alstott, Larry Centers, Corey Dillon, Eddie George, Priest Holmes.
3: I mean, there are a lot of really good players well, Sean Alexander, Mike Alstott. Yeah, immediately come to mind in that group.
0: Steven Jackson, Thomas Jones, Jamal Lewis, Eric Metcalf, Lorenzo Neal, Fred Taylor. Fred Taylor's one that yeah. I gives me pause. Fred Taylor.
3: Fred Taylor, Lorenzo Neal, and uh, Mike Allstott are interesting because their position. Yeah. Well, and they're among you, the 123. I don't, I don't
0: see the value as compared to these other caliber That's the thing, guys though, is that it's like it, that's
3: a lot, well, like a lot of people. I, mean, I don't. He, they're not going to have the carries per se, even though Mike also was sort of a running back yeah. for a part of his career. But with fullback, I don't know. That's it's more difficult to to gauge Hershel, with some of those running backs.
0: Herschel Walker, which is also includes. You know, there'll be a debate if there is a debate about his USFL. It's a pro football Hall of Fame. Right, right. Ricky Ricky Waters, Brian Westbrook, Troy Brown, Donald Driver, Joe Horn, Chad Johnson, Derek Mason, Moosin Muhammad, Andre Risen, Jimmy Smith, Rod Smith, Heinz Ward, Wes Welker. Chad Johnson, Derek
3: Mason, Heinz Ward. All, yeah. Debate. That's an interesting receiver
0: debate to me. Now, this is already with guys that I All probably am voting for. Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson, Steve Smith, Reggie Wayne. Right. You know, so how many wide receivers right. you can put in there? Tight ends. Dallas Clark, Ben Coates, Brent Jones, Heath Miller, Wesley Walls. Offensive linemen, I mentioned some already. Then you've got Matt Burke, Lomas Brown, Reuben Brown, DeBrickishaw, Ferguson, Kevin Glover. Jordan Gross, Olin Kruitz is a tremendous center, Jake Long, Nick Mangold, Logan Mankins, Jesse Sapolu, Jeff Saturday, Chris Snee, Brian Waters, Richmond Webb, Eric Williams, Steve Wisniewski.
1: And see, I find it interesting because all of these guys are deserving of debate, right? Like the, the I can't... I, you I, don't even get debated until you're in the well, 15th. That's my point. Like, they're all worthy of being... It, what we don't know is your list of twenty-one in right. in totality. So, it, as, as you're listing off all these positional players, I don't know how many offensive linemen you've already put in for the for the debate portion of this that you that you have voted for for the semifinal. Right, I'll list. tell you
0: this. Now we're we getting. We don't into- know
1: about wide receiver. We don't know about quarterback, running back. So I, I understand. Like you want to keep it a certain number as you go down this. Not necessarily,
0: list. but I'll tell you. I've got seven defensive. Lineman slash linebacker. Okay, and I'll read you this list: Leroy Glover, Casey Hampton, Justin Smith, Leslie O'Neal, Neil Smith, Greg Townsend, Justin Tuck, Vince Wilfork, Kevin Williams. I've already got seven other guys there, and one of them- uh, not
3: one of those names jumped to me as a as a Hall
0: of Famer.
1: Well, they're not ahead of guys like. Uh, Richard, Seymour. Richard Seymour. Richard Seymour is one who is all has been a finalist now for the last couple of years. Yeah, and
0: he's getting close. I he's think. getting. Close Demarcus to getting- Ware is probably the go. biggest first year yeah. guy. That yeah. there is no first year guarantee. Cornelius Bennett, Lance Briggs, Teddy Bruschi, Seth Joiner, Willie McGinnis, Takeo Spikes, Hardy Nickerson, Ooh. Pat Swilling. And nobody there. Bangs me over the head and says, I've got to be... Cornelius Bennett's pretty close for me.
1: I mean, uh, there's a... It's still a who's who of pro Pro right. bowl no. guys. Like yeah. everyone... you're We're now entering an era where there are a lot of recognizable names that have solid careers.
0: Yeah, these are guys and who we've covered most of their yes. career.
1: Yeah, and I'm speaking on behalf of the pro football element of Tennessee in the Mid-South. All these guys have played... In the era of the Tennessee
0: Titans. Yeah, one more. Right. I'll just finish defensive backs. I won't do special teamers. Eric Allen, Dre Bly, Nick Collins, Antonio Cromartie, Merton Hanks, Rodney Harrison, Albert Lewis, Tim McDonald, Alan Rossom, Asante Samuel, Bob Sanders, Charles Tillman, Troy Vincent, Adrian Wilson, Darren Woods.
3: Antonio Cromartie's only in the Parenting Hall of Fame, not in the Pro Football Hall uh,
0: of Fame. The, the number... Of children Hall of Fame, not necessarily. Oh, that's yeah. I mean, didn't he I fail to totally, name, Didn't I was being he fail totally to because he, he couldn't he name their names? To list their names.
1: Um, Rodney Harrison, you said.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You like?
1: He deserves debate. Yes.
0: Deserves debate. Well, that's what we're doing. We're trying to find twenty-five guys. To Rodney Harrison is one of those guys. That he that if debate. you
3: went to hit their the peers that he played against. He's always the one that, even when Brady had his answer about how much less physical the game is now, mm-hmm. he'll bring up. You know, there are no more Rodney Harrisons out there. Yeah, he probably it's always the first tonight. guy they bring up. That if you threw that pass across the middle against Rodney Harrison, someone's getting their, their be block getting knocked suspen- off.
0: He'd be getting suspended a lot. Yeah. these. but days. I think
3: that holds a lot. of Steve Atwater was another one that holds a lot in. of weight because he was feared.
0: Yeah, and a lot of the conversations about these guys, will bring guys, up Rodney Harrison a lot too. If Rodney Harrison made it in the room. There would be a lot of talk about representation of the Patriots. You know, Richard Seymour's conversation yeah. is a lot about you what this guy did, seen statistically and not seen statistically, for the Patriots, who so far only have a couple of guys in Ty Law, uh, and we're now who seeing had a very good case.
1: I mean, it, it, the case for that would be well, we've seen the greatest show on turf now practically get everyone their main guys in. are all in.
0: Kurt Warner's in, Orlando Pace is in. Um, a toy Holt is it would be the Marshall next Falk. one. And how many guys do you get in off of a one Super Bowl team? You know their era was really two Super Bowls. Right. They won one of them, and um,
1: but changed the game and the, right. you know how they went about the overall scheme.
0: So that's what I'm doing tonight.
1: Paul's got to find four names. I think you can find four off that list. You can. Oh, I you think can I can four. find four. We will get you ready for all the games coming up this weekend. We do that tomorrow. We hope you'll join us 2 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Eastern for Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.
0: Don't block the box. Do lock the locks.